You're listening to the Carry On Friends podcast, episode 54. Welcome to the Carry On Friends podcast, where you'll be inspired and empowered to do amazing things in your personal lives, career, business, and community. With your host, Carrie Ann Reed Brown. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Carry On Friends podcast. I am so excited that you are listening to today's episode. Our guest today is Kingsley Grant. Kingsley is a licensed relationship family therapist, and he is going to talk to us today about communication and how to effectively communicate better to reduce tension in the relationships we have around us. But before we get into the interview, Just wanted to remind you to follow the conversation using hashtag COF podcast. We're also on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Carry On Friends. We would really love to hear from you. If you have any questions or if you have any feedback about the discussion, you could use that hashtag. And this topic is continuing with our theme for the month about relationships, not just romantic relationships because it's Valentine's Day, but the relationships we have in our communities, in our family, in our business, in our careers. So this episode and talking about communication is very helpful, especially for us Caribbean folks. So I do not want to keep you waiting any longer. Here is my interview with Kingsley. Hello, Kingsley. Welcome to the Carry On Friends podcast. I'm so excited to have you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Arian. I'm really just so thrilled to be with you. I've been looking forward to this opportunity for some time. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so, Kingsley, why don't you tell the community, you know, where you're from, um, a little bit more about yourself. I am from J.A., Jamaica. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I have. Um, I am really a, a dad, first and foremost, a husband. And um, my foremost responsibility are those things. But I... Really, other than that, I'm a person who works with other family members in trying to help them to really connect, to really connect at levels that most times they that people fail at, right? So that's one of my things I do at a professional level. But for me, other than that, is just really learning, always learning, because I believe education is something that you never stop. So that's my one of my um, mantra, you know, is keep on learning. So that's a little bit about me. I'm not sure what else you might want to know, but you can ask me questions and I'll just go right there. All right, cool. So, all right, we're going to focus more on communications and relationships. So um, let's just tell the audience a little bit more professionally about your background. Sure. Yeah, I am a, a licensed psychotherapist, and I really work with people in marriage and family therapists, which is helping people in the in the whole system of the family. Like I mentioned earlier, engage in a more healthy um, way, in more in ways that are more productive and constructive. Because I find that many times, what happens within the family system is a lack of understanding, a lack of being able just to to listen well, a lack of being able to re- be respectful of the of the individuals around you. And those lead to the breakdown. So my my um, training is in the more clinical aspect of things and just looking at the broader picture and having families reset and almost like um, come back to a place where they can um, do a, a restart or a, a, re- a do over type of thing. Okay. I'm also a uh, not only I'm also a, a life coach. And I help in career change who are in that stage of life, who wants to really craft their dream and their ideas into reality. And many times people who are living their lives are 
you know, they have a certain dream in their heart, but somehow they fail to have it materialized because of a number of things. So I also help people and coach them in that process. So relationship and the career change is my major um, area of focus. All right. So I'm excited that you laid that groundwork because I really want to dive in to our topic, which is how we can communicate effectively with the people around us and how this effective communication can help us to reduce relational tension. So the first thing I want to kind of ask you, you know, in what ways aren't people communicating effectively And what do you think from, you know, thinking in the Caribbean perspective, what are some of the reasons why culture and and maybe family affects our communication? Well, I think um, sometimes what happens, Carrie Ann, is that we take each other for granted. And and we have uh, in the cultural aspect of sometimes is where we have this hierarchical thing where the adults somehow disconnect from the the younger ones because you ought to be seen and not be heard. And so, you know, I'm the authority. You listen to me. You do as I say. You may not, you know, if you try to do as they do, you get in trouble, right? Mm -hmm. But you do as they say. So I find that tend to be a breakdown when you don't try to then be respectful of the fact that these are maybe little people and bigger people and value that ability to bring something to the table. So I find familiarity, you know, I, you know, you're my, my, my sibling, you're my mom, you're my son. You ought to then understand and overlook certain things that may not be right. So I find that family members, especially in the Caribbean, have to kind of um, rethink the aspect of what's their goal? Is a goal to have a better relationship? Is a goal to have a more constructed dialogue? Is a goal to have healthier uh, future? Or is it goal to win an argument or just to, to usurp my authority position? And I find in the Caribbean country culture, for example, that tend to be something that creates a breakdown because nobody wants to give in, especially if a hierarchical, you know, the authority position, because I am the the boss, I am the leader, I am the mom, I'm the dad, so you don't need to you do as I say type of thing. You know, that I find worth against a family. Okay. So what you're saying is something I can relate to, right? And it goes like this, you know, you grew up I grew up seeing like, you know, there's my grandmother because we're you know, culturally we're very matriarchal. Yeah, so my grandmother and there's my mom and then there's the uncle and it's like it's whatever they say and it's 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 almost as if you don't talk back you don't have an opinion <laughs> because is they're, they're just named grandma and then it's named mommy named uncle yes and, you know naturally we grow up doing the same things to our kids because we for us that is our only point of reference as to respect and how you communicate yes. and I mean as I before I had my, my daughter, I recognized that, they, you know, my mom learned that from my grandmother. My grandmother learned that from my mm-hmm. great grandmother. So, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, you know, the little ones now, you know, have like, so my four year old, you know, we would call him prime because he says <laughs> things. So it's like, and, and then the grandparents are like, you make him talk to you like that. <laughs> so, so, you know, bridging the, the, this, this generational gap and this, this, this thing of, a historical way of doing things, a cultural way of doing things versus, you know, the, the modern, you know, these kids who are just growing up in a different mm-hmm. time. What, how, how, how can parents and, and children of, of parents who are of that, you know, view, how can we work towards communicating effectively? You know, I think that's a very good point you're making because I, I find Carrie Ann that, 
yes, we have um, more like a set, almost like a default, where culturally we tend to behave a certain way and we then excuse ourselves. Oh, that's how we are in Jamaica. That's how we are in the Caribbean. And that's it's almost like accept it, just go with it and don't try to change it, which mm-hmm. I think is where we get stuck sometimes. And I find both generation, both the elder, the elderly and the younger one have to give something. They have to give and take. You cannot be all the older ones. It cannot be all the younger one. What's the a good middle ground to find? You know, I going back to what you said earlier and mentioned about because of the whole generational, generational thing. And we have grown up where we have this matriarchal and, you know, in some cases, patriarchal kind of um, um, setting. I, 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 as a teenager, ran away from home. And I ran away from home because of that very same thing. I was to be seen, but not to be heard. My dad was one of those strong guys who was like, you know, you don't talk back. You don't have an opinion. You don't show emotions. Any kind of uh, response verbally or non-verbally, you are you're in trouble. You, I mean, he is the law, the judge, executioner. You know, it's coming down hard. It's not just a talk; it's a belt, right? Mm-hmm. So, I found as I got to a certain age as a teenager, I decided, you know what? I have had enough of this whole thing. So I just kind of ran away from home, and I would not recommend that to anybody. But that was my way of saying enough is enough. enough yeah. I wanted to be heard. I thought that I had some good things to say, and he was not always right, but you cannot say you're wrong, dad. You're wrong because you might not have your life afterwards. You know? I was about to say, you know, that, <laughs> mm, you couldn't even look like you were thinking it because they would say, what are you thinking? And you get, you, you get one pole for thinking something. They don't even know what you're thinking, but they know you're thinking it. You think it's, and, and, and sometimes it's just how you look at them, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Look at that look. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I mean, and so it's almost like, you know, you think you're bad. You think you're grown. You think you're, and they just somehow associate a certain look with a one of like disrespect. And mm-hmm. if you ever look as if you're grown and act like an adult, they'll show you. So I find that a way to get back to the, your question is that what might need to happen? I realize that if I only learn to listen and realize that I'm respecting another person. I'm saying you are a person of value. You are a person that has something to bring to the table. And what I'm really doing really is building confidence and self-esteem in that person by saying you are valuable. So I find if sometimes a family member, especially in the Caribbean, can think more about that person in the relationship that they're trying to interact with as valuable then they might begin to say they might have something of value to bring to the table. That shift can be a great place to start in rebuilding relationships. All right. So the first step is listening because listening shows that you value what this person has to say. Yes. All right. What's another step towards effective communication within the family setting? And this might apply to other settings we'll get to in a little bit. What, but what do you think is the other step? Because listening, I think, um, listening on the part of who, because as you know, with my mom and myself, I'm going to be the listener. I have no choice because that's the default, as you said. But yeah. is it more for the, the person who's seen as the one in the position of power, which so that would be the parent, right? Yeah, I think, I think so. Because I think sometimes, um, you know, I find that the younger ones sometimes want to be engaged, want to engage, but I think the parents have to realize, okay, if my child needs to be imprinted with some things from me, they need to be empowered. Then you want them to be able to 
function in a world that is waiting to devour them and they need to speak up. They need to have a sense of, you know, of, um, I can have something of value to say. And if I don't allow them in the home to learn that, then they, they question themselves and they doubt themselves when they get out there. So you're really doing it for the child's sake. And you mentioned the other thing I also find, Carrie Anne, is the idea of labeling. So, for example, I find many times in the Caribbean culture, we name call. You are lazy. You're stupid. You're going to be less, just like your dad, just like your mom. This labeling things does not help. So I would also encourage family members to remove away from this global labeling mm-hmm. of, of each other, you know, call, name calling and, and somehow thinking that I'm provoking them to do better by the comparison, the labeling, the name calling, and maybe well-intentioned. But it really is something that works against the family, especially I see it so often in the Caribbean culture, and they think nothing of it. Yeah. You touched on a really good point, which is why I wanted to start with the family because, you know, the way that we we, we communicate at home or how we we learn to communicate at home effectively or ineffectively, which in most cases ineffectively because it's usually from the perspective of one of power. We take this way of communication with us into our jobs mm-hmm. and with our social circles. So for when I first started in corporate, you know, and I, I would talk to my cousins about this, I didn't know how to talk to my coworkers. You know, it was for me, my mode of communication is you do something, I don't say anything. You do something, you don't mm. say anything. You do something, I don't say anything. The next time you do something, psh, pressure cooker. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes. psh, like rah, because <laughs> I, you know, I've been taught like, you know, uh, you just don't say, you just take there, you you stay there, you listen, and you just go ahead with it. But I had something to say. I had some kind of response, but. Because I've never been in a situation where I could respond without ducking a fist mm. or ducking something, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right? I just don't respond because yeah. I, I didn't know how to, you know, and that's because growing up, you know, grandma talk and, oh, yes, grandma, mm-hmm. no grandma, mm-hmm. mommy talk, everybody talk is yes, no, and you make sure you add the name to it because if you didn't have the name, it's not a book because you're disrespectful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um you know, so when you when it came to communicating in the workplace, we ju- I just did not know how to respond without feeling like I was angry because, you know, there was this undercurrent of there were so many times I wanted to say something, but I couldn't say it because yeah. it would be chat back. And, <laughs> you know, and, and even with, you know, with friendships, you don't really know how to say it because you're, you know, we're carrying that. So now that we, you've said this, which is great. So we listen, we refrain from these global name callings, and we, we know that the communication in the home is really the foundation or, the, you know, whether it's on sand or on concrete is setting us <laughs> up to go out into the world. So yes. now that it gone bad, as we say, in the Caribbean, it gone bad. How, it gone bad, that's right. Yeah, it gone bad. How do we fix it? Because at this point, you know, I'm the adult. How do I address the way I was brought up with within this construct to communicate effectively with my colleagues, my coworkers, and, and not with my children? How do we move towards that? I think 
that's a very uh, pivotal question because I think what it, it holds in, inside that question you're asking, Carrie Ann, the fact that we are now looking at our lives, how is what we've learned, we've been taught, we have been handed down from our generation, how is it working for us? Mm-hmm. What is it doing for us? And I find sometimes we look at holding us back. We we are unable to get that promotion. We're unable to have yep. a very healthy relationship. We have we're unable to have long term relationship because we if we are about to assert ourselves and and speak up for ourselves, we feel as if we we hear that voice. Hey, you're raising your voice. Hey, don't talk back. We hear that that knowing voice in the back of our head, we're doing something wrong. So now we are stuck. Because now what do I do? So I find that the place to start is ask a question. How is it working for me? Mm-hmm. What is it doing for my life that's moving me forward? And it's not necessarily to say, well, there's something wrong with me. It's just simply saying, what might I need to then um, adjust and, and change or reframe? What might that be? And And sometimes it might need a professional to get a jump start because I just don't know where to start. It might mean I might need to start listening to other uh, other people who are doing life in a way that I am, you know, I, I admire. It might need me reading some books. So it really begin to the shift has to occur. It's almost like a paradigm that says it's not working for me. It's not, you know, I'm going to my own self, you know, carry on for for me growing up in a home where asserting myself and speaking for myself was not allowed. Mm -hmm. And I find that for many, many years, it held me back Mm -hmm. because I would not speak up when I should have. I would not go for that promotion because I feel like, you know, who am I? You know, I'm being proud. I'm being arrogant. So all these things are just, just killing me, basically. Mm-hmm. So I would be, I was held back from ver- from things I could actually have experienced that were good for me. But no, because I hear, you know, who you think you are. Exactly. What, it, it, that kind of stuff, you know. So it really didn't work for me. And I had to start there. How do I get from this place to where I want to go? And for me, it me it meant learn relearning. It meant admiring people and learning from them. It meant coaching. It meant for me going back to school, expanding myself. That's where it started for me. Yes. Yes. I, I completely agree. Everything that you just said is kind of what I've experienced. I didn't I didn't speak up for myself early enough in my career. I didn't know because I didn't know how my coworkers would perceive the way I spoke up for myself. And by then I recognized that, you know, I would there was this uh, this tone, this undertone of sounding, you know, um, Like my daughter says it, you know, she's 19. She's like, you know, and she's telling now my niece that, you know what, that's just how she talks. You just, there's Mm -hmm. this always this tone that you're always upset or yelling because that's almost kind of the way you were always spoken to. There's just this firmness in, in, in your voice that, you know, so when, when you talk to people, they're automatically intimidated. Like, what did I do? But it's not Mm -hmm. always something that you did. So it's like. It seems a lot of it is mindfulness, but I love that you said the way or we were communicated to and what we've learned, it holds us back from the potential, from the success that we ultimately, you know, are looking for. So now that we've established that Mm -hmm. culturally and from a familial background, this is affecting us. What are some tools that we can use that are baby steps? Yeah. Because we can't unlearn. 30 years just like that it's a process so what are some tools that we could start to we can use to start making steps to communicate more effectively 
You know, what I find sometimes is that we have to begin internally to look at how we um, frame what has happened to us because it can create an anger. So I might be angry that my parents, for example, held me back and I blame them. So I would begin with myself of removing blame and, and, and pointing fingers and say, you know, this is what I was handed. They did what they did because of all they could have. Their capacity mm-hmm. didn't allow them to do. It. So I have to start with internally of looking at it from a different, through a different lens so I can see it as what is the opportunity I now have. So I would begin to have to first focus internally. If I don't start with that, then it will cloud my judgment. It will cloud my ability to look and see opportunities. I'm still in this stage of like, you know, wanting to either please or blame or be angry at. Mm-hmm. So I would begin there first. And then once I start with that, it gives me an opportunity to see what's now before me of options I have. And the step one might be, okay, I need to say, learn how to be assertive, which is not to be aggressive, but learn how to be assertive, meaning how to be okay that I have a voice. So I need to find my voice. What might that look like? And for some people, it might simply mean, you know, not say yes to everything. I might need to say, learn to say no, you know, and that may be the very a basic thing to start with. That begin to prove to myself, I do have uh, a voice. I can speak up for myself and be okay with that. Yeah. You know, I know we keep, it's one of those things we talk about the repression of not speaking, but there's also the opposite effect where, you know, some people, you know, they, they're they probably, they're, they're more verbal, vocal, and more angry because they didn't get that opportunity. So they go out into the world and just kind of like dominate because they didn't have that opportunity. So what about the opposite of that? So we talked about where we, so far we've kind of spoken to people who, didn't speak up what about those people who used the fact that they weren't able to have a voice in the home to kind of i don't i don't know if bully is the right word but right. you know that right. you know what i'm referring to they were more uh, more aggressive so to yeah. speak because they didn't have that opportunity at home or with anyone to communicate that's a great observation you're making because i find the extreme can be also unhealthy. So then we look at what's the motivation because now I'm then still using that and saying, if you made me this way, I'm now going to lash out. So I'm still acting in a place of um, my past is really dictating then what I do. So I still am being controlled by that. So my behavior, even when I find in relationships, a person was over, overly aggressive and because they uh, learned that I need to fight back. And I'm not, um, that's what I'm suggesting or advocating a fight back standing stance. I'm simply saying, how can I then pull together these kind of uh, what I've not had and in a very positive constructive, productive way, make it work for me. If I go to the extreme of being that dominant, uh, aggressive person, then I'm going to lose out as well relationally mm-hmm. because I'm not operating from a place of like, of, um, you know, a, a very positive, balanced place. I'm still operating from a place of blame and, um, you know, you did this to me, so I'm not going to do this to other people. Mm-hmm. So it's not helpful there. It's coming to the place of saying, you know what? Let me let go of that. Let me realize, you know, for me, my personality, who I am, what can I now do with the opportunities before me? And then take what I've learned, take what I didn't have, and then give to people what I know that they might need. I didn't have myself. But don't be go to the extreme of them becoming, you know, 
overly compensated if we're comp- compensating for everything and have no balance. Right. That makes sense. Right. All right. So first reflect internally and recognize that, you know what? Like I said before, mommy did what grandma doing. Grandma did what great grandma did. It's I, I know it. I know that's how it worked. Once we've, we've reframed that internally, we now have to say, okay, now I have to deal with me and where I am and what I'm comfortable with. And so we're, we're learning to be more assertive. How do we learn to be more assertive? Because it, it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard. It is. Going from just not saying anything to now having to speak up for ourselves. And without that cultural and familial background, it's, it's widely known that, you know, women and minorities don't always speak up for themselves in the workplace. So what are some tips that you can offer to, to just start making small steps towards, you know, letting our voice being heard? You know, I think um, that is really that is where the challenge lies. But I find it's, it's still possible because I, I realized, as I said earlier, if I can get the help of outsiders, people that I know that I want to be like, so I can say, who can I identify that I say, you know, that I like how they're, they, they're there with relationship, their family, how they speak, and begin to ask questions and read and learn from them is a place to start. Get some professional help for me. I realized I had to get professional help both directly and indirectly because mm-hmm. I had a breakthrough. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, years of just um, not understanding and my normal was not really, you know, serving me at all. So I had to create a new normal. So I had to get professional help. I had to realize that, you know, going to school was a form of professional help. Getting a coach was a form of professional help. Um, listening to podcasts like yours is a form of prof- uh, professional help. So I realized that, okay, you know what? Maybe they didn't have it right. And so my idea now is if I'm in a relationship, what is the smallest, safest, easy win I can have? So if I said no, when I would normally say yes, to me, that's beginning to build a new normal. Yeah, you know, If I... Um, I'm in a relationship. I want to, don't have to do everything everybody else is doing. And so I begin to make choices for myself. That's speaking up for myself. And I find those small shifts is assertiveness at work, but it's just a very gentle, easy way and more manageable way than if I just had to go all out for it. Right. You know, I, I do relate to that. So um, your point about finding examples. So, you know, it's always hard for us to try to find some coach and maybe some people aren't ready for a professional help yet, right. you know? Right. But what I did was I, I found that in the the friends that I had, mm. um, there was always someone who was there who they weren't low, but they just, man, like, man, I wish I could just, you know, like I have a friend, Jay, man, Jay could say what she wants to say and just like that. And she says mm-hmm. it in a way where you're just like, man, I wish I could just say, you know, I don't want to be her. But by being around her, I learn how to speak up for myself a little bit more. You know, I have mother friend, Terri Ann, and I have other friends around me that they are good at speaking up, advocating for themselves in a way that is not, you know, bullyish, you know, but they're doing that. So I found that I attract, you know, I gravitated to people who just said it. Like, man, I'm like, man, can I wish I could be brave enough to just do it? (laughs) And over time, you know, 
And people, when I, when I say this, people are like, what? I'm like, listen, this is learned. Okay. <laughs> this is learned from hanging around people who are doing something different and are, or, or they have qualities that you would love to learn how to, to, to incorporate that in your daily life. So if therapy isn't something people are ready for and getting a coach isn't something what people are ready for, I strongly recommend this is easy. You're, you, you look at the people you surround yourself with and start finding people who have qualities that you like and would like to learn how to develop those qualities because it's only by being around them. And they too have their own story as to why they're like that. They didn't just, you know, like get up one day and say, I'm going to speak what's on my mind. <laughs> you know, they've developed stories as well. So I think that was a, that's a really great tip to, to look around you and see who, you know, you could really emulate. So, all right. So I, I really, I really love this topic about communication. So what are some of the traditional communication styles and techniques that we do culturally as a region and possibly a suggestion on how to redirect that form of communication? So um, I, I guess people call it mindfulness because a lot of mm -hmm. times if we're, if we're not aware that we're doing it, you know, it's, it's almost like somebody said, why your face always looks so I'm like, <laughs> my face look whole, you know, like, yes. <laughs> I, I don't know what my face looks like. So what are some, yeah. some of the common, you know, ways that Caribbean people communicate and that could potentially have an adverse impact in when we're communicating, communicating with other people? You know, because communication, um, almost 80% or more, of how we communicate is non-verbally. So we speak more by what we don't say mm -hmm. than what we do say. So I find, especially in the Caribbean, we, we have certain kind of um, behavior or mannerism that we use and not even realize it. So we'll like, you know, push our mouth, mouth up in the air, like, and we may hit our teeth or something and like, you know, like look away. And all those are saying something, mm -hmm. right? So culturally we might become so normal and so used to doing that, we don't realize it might mean something as in another culture. Mm -hmm. And we don't see how it may impact us, but a person seeing that might be wondering, because they're not put at a, wondering what's that about? Where's that coming from? So they might interpret to be disrespect. They might interpret to be like, you know, you are just kind of um, not interested. So they could put their own meaning on that. And I find that the only way to be aware of that, because we don't, like you said earlier, we don't even realize that we're doing these things. We just sort of learn behavior. It's so natural. It's so automatic. We put our hand on our side, like, you know, almost like in a fighting stance, but not fighting, you know. <laughs> and, yes. And, and these are like positions, though, that does universally say it could be a threat and right. it could be like, um, okay, a disrespect thing. And we have to be culturally minded, but we, we don't know on a, of our own self. We need somebody who's a mirror to mirror that back to us. And we say, hey, like you just described, why is your face so, you know, why is your face so ugly? Why is your face so, why are you so mad? I'm not mad. You know, we become defensive, right? But we have to trust the fact that we can't see ourselves. Someone else who sees is pointing out to us. And if we trust the individual, we would say, you know what? They have our best interest at heart. Maybe I'm saying something with my body that I don't even know myself. Mm -hmm. And I need to then adjust that. Yeah. Yeah. I believe me, I fold my arms and you know what they say when you fold your arms, yes. right? Yeah. But when I fold my arms, it's because my hand just feel funny standing by this beside, <laughs> like it just feel weird. So I just, it's me really resting my arms or doing something, but you know, folding yes. your arms isn't a, a, a good nonverbal 
communication. It's it's saying that you're in a defensive yes. mode or something like that. So I, when I get conscious of it, you know, I just kind of try to do it. But as a Caribbean person, if we can't fold our arms, all we do, we lean up somewhere, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it's it's these behaviors that, you know, you realize that, you know, and, and, and a lot of times people are like, why do I have to change? Because but you 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 have to adjust them because yes. you you are also communicating with other people who see it as a different way and that again going back it it affects or how how far we can be successful in our in our current roles at our jobs because we're we're in such a diverse um yeah. workspace or workplace so it's it's really making an effort to to identify how we're communicating and to adjust that when we're having a communication with someone else um so that's so that's really really important to if someone calls out that you are a particular way um it's just to kind of think about that this is how they're seeing you and to kind of adjust the behavior or be more mindful you know, I think – sorry. I think you, you said something very, very important, Carrie, and that I really like because you you, you just you were adjusting. And I think you also mentioned the word success. And if you're success-minded and we have to understand – and you said we are in a very mixed world now. And if, if we're going to be successful and we have to be globally minded, we cannot remain as we are because mm-hmm. we keep on doing the same thing we always do. We get the same results. So if I'm going to ever climb the ladder of success – then I mean, if I want to stay where I am and be okay with that, that's different. But if I ever want to advance, mm-hmm. I have to. I cannot somehow believe that I should not change. Everybody else should. No, I need to adjust as much as possible. So as in Rome, do as Romans do, right? We've heard that many times. Yeah. If I'm going to be successful, I've got to realize it's going to work for me, not against me. It's okay. I want to be successful, become more globally minded. To be globally minded, I had to change how I communicate verbally and non-verbally. Yes, yes. And that is the golden nugget to take away in order to be successful in your career or your business and even in your family. You have to start making small adjustments because that is how we can we, we build relationships. Yes. You know, a bridge. We have to, you know, keep building those bridges. You know, I'm still working on it. I'm not perfect. You know, the other day I said something to my daughter. I'm like, why did you do this? And she <laughs> responded. I'm like, why are you talking to me so loud? She said, I'm talking to you the way you're talking to me. And I'm like, no, I'm not yelling. <laughs> yeah. So... In, in, I, I, you know, I'm sorry. I don't. What happened? Most times, I find people because I'm not a good gauge. If I'm yelling, I'm not the best person to gauge that. I need because mm-hmm. I don't even know my volume level. So I have to trust the fact that you know, if someone points that out to me, oh, you know. And I find sometimes I think this, you brought up a very good point just now. I want to mention because I think it's so important. Whenever in a case I'm in a situation where someone points something out to me and I know they are not necessarily wanting to, you know, just harm me, Mm -hmm. then I had to realize, you know what, thank you. I'm sorry. And I just, I teach my um, clients many times these three phrases. Whenever something is brought to my attention that I know that they're saying, hey, ouch, you step on my toes. I didn't intend to, but I did emotionally or otherwise. I must be, you know, I, I think big enough to say, I'm so sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me because I need to realize I'm learning as well. I don't get it always right. But if you point out to me that I stepped on your toe in, by doing something and saying something, I should realize, you know, if I'm going to be in this relationship, it's not about who wins an argument. 
it's how the relationship wins. Mm-hmm. I must learn these three phrases. You know, I mean, thanks for letting me know. I'm so sorry. That wasn't my intention. You know, please forgive me. You know, I was wrong. And not try to qualify and say, yeah, but you make me. You know, if you didn't, then what happened is those things does not help us to really mend relationship, whether in the workplace or in the home space. Because what happened is we keep doing that and we never change because we think we're right mm-hmm. when really we might not be right. What you just said is is like so on it. It's not whether I win or they win. It's how the relationship wins. I love yes. that. I, I absolutely love that. So as we wrap up, what is your one takeaway or the one thing you want people to know about you know, communicating effectively and how how they can reduce the relational tension by communicating effectively? What's one takeaway you want other people to have? I would say that learning to communicate and making that a priority is something above and beyond everything else you do in life because everything rests, it rises and fall on relationship. Every problem we ever experience in our life has to do with a relationship of some kind, past or present, or potentially future-related, every problems you ever have. So I recommend strongly that the person listening right now to take heed to say, how am I communicating both verbally and non-verbally and be open to feedback from my surroundings, family members or others who are pointing out something to me and be willing, be willing and humble enough to make those necessary changes because it's not about me, it's about us. Yes. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Kingsley, for being on the Carry On Friends podcast. If you are listening to this podcast and you'd love to continue the conversation online, use the hashtag COF podcast and we'll let Kingsley also tell you his social media handle because this is an important conversation that I strongly believe in. I talk about it in my own workshops and um, I, I know communication, as he said, everything, we have to make it a priority because it rests, rise, fall, future past and and present relationships are based on communication. So um Kingsley, where can people find you on the internet? Carrie Ann, thank you so much for having me um, share that information. And by the way, you do a, a fantastic job. I really love your podcast. And thank thanks you. for bringing that, you know, the, this great message and great platform to the community. And I, I really commend and I suggest to people sometimes, hey, you need to listen to Carrie Ann and friends because it's a great um, place to go to just hear uh, someone who is being raw, vulnerable, and just, you know, again, I always want to say sorry about your grandmother who died, and uh, I heard that story, and again, she was such a very important person in your life. So, again, thank you for that thank and sharing you. your life with us. Thank so, you. you can find me, just go to kingslegrant.com, K-I-N-G-S-L-E-Y-G-R-A-N-T, kingslegrant.com. You can find all my information there, and I'm on all social media as Kingsley Grant. So you can find me in all the social media by just typing in Kingsley Grant. So thank you again for allowing me to share that with your community. Thank you so much. And remember, don't forget, join the conversation. COF podcast, use the hashtag and, you know, carry on friends is at carry on friends all over. And so as I love to say at the close of a show, you know, until the next time you listen to the show or until the next time we talk on social media, walk good. 
Okay, friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Carry On Friends podcast. For a recap of this episode and other great articles, please visit the blog at www.carryonfriends.com. That's C-A-R-R-Y-O-N-F-R-I-E-N-D-S dot com. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch, or sign up for a newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com. Or find us on all social media platforms at Carry On Friends.